and welcome to Biblical Tapestry Podcast Season 4, Episode 19, A Study in 2 Peter. Biblical Tapestry is a podcast where we explore how the Bible is its own commentary and how the gospel is thoroughly woven from Genesis to Revelation. In today's episode, we continue in Chapter 2 of 2 Peter, where Peter begins to focus on the adverse impacts of false teachers and what they were having on the church. Peter warns his readers not to follow or be seduced by the false teachers as recovery is difficult. Let's turn to 2 Peter chapter 2, looking at verse 17 through 22. And he's talking about the false teachers here as we begin to read in verse 17. These are waterless springs and mists driven by a storm. For them the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved. For speaking loud boasts of folly... They entice by sensual passions of the flesh those who are barely escaping from those who live in error. They promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. For whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. For if after they have escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would have been better for them never to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. What the true proverb says has happened to them. The dog returns to its own vomit, and the sow, after washing herself, returns to wallow in the mire. There are some very interesting verses here. Back to verse 17. These are waterless springs and mists driven by a storm for them the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved Peter is dramatic about the effects these false teachers were having on others what does he call them here he calls them waterless springs and mists driven by a storm well we have a parallel passage in June that we've in Jude that we've talked about before that is Jude 10 through 13 But these people blaspheme all that they do not understand, and they are destroyed by all that they, like unreasoning animals, understand instinctively. Woe to them, for they walked in the way of Cain and abandoned themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's error and perished in Korah's rebellion. We've talked a lot about that last episode. These are hidden reefs at your love feast, and they feast with you without fear, shepherds feeding themselves, And here it is, Jude says, Waterless clouds swept along by winds, fruitless trees in late autumn, twice dead, uprooted, wild waves of the sea casting up the foam of their own shame, wandering stars from whom the gloom of utter darkness, he mentions that as well, the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever. Imagine such a severe thirst in a very deserted land very dry spot with a promise of a spring ahead only to get there and be disappointed by a dry gulch these false teachers had promised to give satisfaction for a thirsty soul only to leave people parched and still in need and now only worse than they were before in Jeremiah chapter 2 verse 12 Be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked. Be utterly desolate, declares the Lord, 
For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Living water. Well, the Bible talks about that. Living water is a water that can satisfy. We read this in John chapter 4, verse 7. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you, here it is, living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. And Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Christ is the source of living water. Water that always satisfies the souls of thirsty people. What the false teachers offered was empty words and confusion. Mist here is probably the promise of water, but these mists are soon blown away, leaving the land still parched. The false teachers had no ability to deliver what they promised and produced only conflict and it says here at the end of verse 17 for them the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved well back to the theme of judgment for these false teachers here in verse 17 and observe clearly that what is reserved for them these empty mists is utter darkness which is mean where god is not verse 18 says for speaking loud boasts of folly they entice by sensual passions of the flesh those who are barely escaping from those who live in error. The false teachers were targeting these new believers to reduce their newfound devotion to the gospel. They loved to loudly lead people to error. As we looked at it the last episode, the false teachers were setting traps and dangling lures to attract the distracted. The word in this text translated barely is the Greek word oligos. Perhaps it can be translated as recently. So these recently coming from a life living in error are being enticed by further error. The false teachers were crafty in targeting those who were unstable and more likely to be carried away by their teaching. The lures that they dangled were boastful loud speech and an invitation to indulge in sensual passions of the flesh. Thomas Schreiner writes in his commentary, Those who are weak are often susceptible to the assertive confidence of others, even if such confidence flows from arrogance and sin. 
They taught the weak that there was no judgment of behavior, allowing people to live however they wish, creating an opening to sinful behavior at every possible level. Verse 19 says they promised them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. For whatever overcomes a person to that, he is enslaved. Well, here is the third means the false teachers lead others astray, promising freedom. Freedom from what? Well, in this case, freedom from moral restraints. Well, that hasn't changed much in 2,000 years. But instead of freedom, the false teachers were offering slavery. Slavery to depravity and corruption. And the freedom they espoused was just an illusion. Because whatever overcomes or whatever masters a person is the source of slavery. Paul writes in Galatians 2.4, Yet because of false brothers secretly brought in, who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus, so that they might bring us into slavery, to them we did not yield in submission even for a moment, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. So the question is, who is your master? If you cannot overcome certain habits and sins, you are enslaved to them. False teachers cannot pronounce freedom when they are so enslaved to sin themselves. The lifestyle that they live contradicted the message. Verse 20 says, For if, after they have escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the last state has become worse for them than the first. Well, now we get into some interesting verses here. Peter is expressing a warning to most likely both the false teachers and especially to those who are seduced by them. Those who commit apostasy are very unlikely to return to the truth. So what Peter is saying is that heaven and hell are at stake when anyone who is tempted by the false teachers some had escaped the pollution of the world and now were drawn back to live in that same filth again. Peter concludes from that that the current state of those seduced by false teachers is worse than it was before their knowledge of Christ. People who know Christ have everything they need to follow him. Those who choose to return to the world, what he's saying here, are unlikely to return. Christ says in Matthew 12:43, when the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest, but finds none. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came, and when it comes, it finds the house empty, swept, and put in order. Then it goes and brings with it seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there, and the last state of that person is worse than the first. So also will it be with this evil generation. Verse 21 says, For it would have been better for them never to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. The saving power of Christ Jesus clearly leads to a transformed life. However, simple knowledge of the salvation of Christ is not sufficient. The demons know Christ. These people that fall away 
or within the sphere of those who embraced Christ as Lord and Savior, but did not know the Lord in such a saving relationship. The seed fell on poor soil or a ground full of thorns, and they were drawn back to the cares of the world. Again in Matthew 13, 4, And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on the rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced a, produced a grain, some hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Those so drawn away by the false teachers are now worse off, and it is more difficult to reclaim the lives of these apostates. Verse 22 says, What the true proverb says has happened to them. The dog returns to its own vomit, and the sow, after washing herself, returns to wallow in the mire. It is important to know that in the culture of the day, and even still in many places in the Middle East, both dogs and pigs are unclean animals. Dogs often ran in packs and scavenged garbage. They are not considered beloved pets. In Proverbs 26.11, it says, Like a dog that returns to his vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. Those who have renounced the Christian faith have returned to their vomit, finding that somehow more attractive than the way of righteousness, as we read in verse 21. Now the second point of a pig is not from Proverbs, but likely the story of a hikar. But the analogy is the same returning to the filth of a former life. So can a true believer forsake salvation? What is the mark of a genuine faith in Christ? It is not making a profession of faith or following in baptism, but it's perseverance. Genuine believers will not fall away. Peter says that himself Already in these verses, in Second Peter 1, verses 3 through 4, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is the world because of sinful desires. In 1 Peter 1.3, he says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation, ready to be revealed at the last time, being guarded. Peter's not contradicting himself in these verses. Those who gave the appearance of Christianity but fall away are not anyone that had saving faith. First John 2.18 says this, Children, 
It is the last hour, and as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. But they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might be become plain that they are not of us. Also in John 10:27, Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand, and I and the Father are one. Those who fell away had never changed their nature. They were dogs and pigs inside. They were always unclean and only seemed to have changed. Perseverance is the test of authenticity. Next episode 20 in season 4, we will be reminded that the day of the Lord is coming. I hope this season 4 and the first and second letters of Peter continues to speak to you. I hope and pray that this study blesses you, and I strongly encourage you to spend time in God's Word. Biblical Tapestry is available on other platforms like Facebook and Instagram. And I encourage you to please like and share this podcast if you have been discovered anything helpful or uplifting for you. God bless you with faithful endurance, and I pray that you are greatly strengthened by God. God bless. Until next episode.